Amen. You may be seated. What a way to begin our time of worship. Jesus Christ is our living hope. Amen. No matter what is going on in the world around us, Jesus Christ is our living hope. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church on this chilly Sunday morning, right? Man, it's cold. It's cold. We are so glad that you are here. If this is your first time with us, welcome. Uh, we are delighted to have you. You are our guest. We want to help you and encourage you and minister to you any way that we possibly can. And so if you have any questions, don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, there on your seat is um, a bulletin. There's a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. You can tear that off and you can place that in uh, the box that is out there in the foyer. Uh, somebody last week said, you know, where do we give our offering? Where do we give our tithe? You can also do that out there uh, in that box in the foyer um, as well. well. We have a, a wonderful worship service today, a lot going on. We're going to focus a lot on missions, and I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. But before we do that, uh, let me give you an update on Curtis and Ann. Some of you maybe are wondering about them. This is their second uh, Sunday not being here. Uh, Curtis and Ann earlier in the week tested positive for COVID. Both of them have tested positive, but the good news is they're doing really, really well. And so about the only symptom they have is just a, a minor cough. And so the Lord is protecting them and watching over them. And so just continue to pray for them, uh, that they will continue just to get better uh, and that God will continue just to show his mercy uh, towards them. They'll probably be away from us for a couple more weeks. Um, and so just continue to pray for them. And so kind of with that in mind, uh, the fact that they're not going to be here, the fact that uh, we do see our COVID numbers increasing, uh, we are not going to meet again this Wednesday. Uh, so there'll be no activities uh, this Wednesday night. And I will update you next week as to how long we're going to pause uh, our Wednesday nights. But our Sunday nights, we're going to resume those tonight. We've taken a break uh, for the last three weeks, but Awana uh, will, will take place tonight. Our Bible study will take place at 6 o'clock in here. Our students are going to meet. And so you want to make sure that you come back uh, for that. It's just such an important time as we continue to try to disciple our kids and our students and even as adults that we are uh, discipled. Um, I think it's also important to use this time to remind you uh, that our numbers are increasing. Um, no one has been more cautious during this time, I think, than Curtis and Ann. And even in that, we're all still susceptible. So we put in the bulletin, just as a reminder, some, some important practices that we can utilize here. Um, and so just don't let your guard down. Be careful. And let me also praise God that we're, we've been in this thing now, what, since March? Um, and to my knowledge, those in the church who have uh, had COVID have all recovered. Uh, and there hasn't been any major uh, problems going on with that. And so we just thank God for his grace and his mercy there. But I would like to just pause for a moment and just to pray. Uh, we do have several in our church who are dealing with it or having to be quarantined, having to be home. And so we do just want to pray over them. And then after I pray, we're going to begin to focus on uh, our missions this morning. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your grace and your mercy. You are uh, our living hope. We've already sang about that. And we have also, Father, asked that you would open up the heavens that you would rend the heavens this morning, that the Spirit of God would move in our hearts, in our lives. 
Father, that we would leave here different, that we would leave here challenged, that we would leave here more like Jesus. And Father, with a desire, a greater desire to be discipled, a greater desire to tell others about Jesus, and a greater desire to be involved in missions and taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Father, we also want to pray. We pray for Curtis and Ann. So thankful, Father, for their faithful ministry here. It'll be 18 years uh, next month, and they have faithfully served Northside, but they have faithfully served you, Lord, for many years in ministry. We thank you for that, for how they they lead, for how he leads us in worship, how he leads the choir. And Father, we just pray that you would continue to be with them, heal them, strengthen them. Thank you for watching over them to this point. And Father, we know that they're not alone. We know some of our other seniors, Lord, are, are either have the virus or on the mend from the virus. We know others in our church have. Uh, have come in contact with it and maybe having to quarantine. Um, and so, Lord, we just continue to pray for your mercy, for your grace. And, Lord, we pray that you will continue, Father, Lord, just to remove this very virus from our presence. We know that you are all-powerful to do that. And so we just trust in you, and we ask you, Father, to, to do that. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Well, our focus this morning is on missions, and there's three things uh, that we're going we're gonna to focus on uh, throughout our time together. One of those, uh, and we'll do this in just a moment, is to introduce you to some missionaries uh, in Ecuador, Johnny and Donna Moss. So we have a video that we'll show of them uh, in just a moment that they made specifically for us this morning, so you can learn more about them and, and their desire to reach the Afro-Ecuadorians. Uh, after that video, uh, our brother Mark Runyons is going to come and you're going to learn more about his role as the virtual strategy coordinator, uh, how he's involved in that, how Northside is going to be involved in that, um, how you can pray about that and how you can get involved. And in the bulletin, uh, there is a phone number that if you are interested in praying for uh, this, this work that God's doing, or you are interested in going on a future mission trip, there's a number, if you will just text that, uh, that number, that number's going to go to BJ and he'll relay that information to Mark. We just want to know how we can get you involved and who is going to be partnering uh, with us. So he'll come after the video and then I'll come back up after uh, BJ prays for Mark and introduce our uh, guest speaker. That is Mr. J.J. Washington, uh, who's here. And uh, so we wanted to introduce uh, you to him. And, uh, and I know he's got a, a powerful, timely word uh, from God and, uh, related to missions uh, at this time. And so I'll introduce him uh, as well. But at this point, uh, we want to draw your attention to the Moss family. There in your seat was uh, uh, a marker there, a bookmark. Keep that. And every time you see that, uh, be reminded to pray for the Moss and the Afro-Ecuadorian. So check out the video and then Mark is going to come. Good afternoon. My name is Johnny Moss. This is my wife, Donna, and our adopted son from here from Ecuador. His name is John Lema, and he lives here with us. We're missionaries with the IMB. We've been with the IMB over 20 years now, over 21 years now. And we, uh, we live in a small fishing village called Rio Verde, where we work with the Afro-Ecuadorian people group. We've been working with the Afro-Ecuadorian people group now for almost eight years. I'm going to let Donna tell us a little bit about the African-Ecuadorian people. The African-Ecuadorian peoples are descendants of escaped slaves. They've been in this area 500 years. Um, 
the legend has it that the majority of them came from slaves that actually escaped from slaving boats off the coast. We live on the northwest coast of Ecuador. Our home is within side of the ocean, so it's easy to see how they arrived here from from that um, from that way. And they um, they are fishermen. They are farmers. They run small businesses. They they need Jesus. They're, we our our goal here is to form friendships, make disciples, and group those disciples into new churches. Now we want to ask John if there's something, if you want to share something about your work as part of our team here as we're working in this part of Ecuador. I'm working in, in Lagarto. I'm teaching there uh, Monday. We have our, our church, plan. Uh, church, plan, church plan there in Lagarto. And I also learning and studying for my master's degree in theological uh, studies in Southwestern, Southwestern uh, University. Uh, and, and I hope in the future I can learn more about the Bible and teach uh, the people here, not, not only in Lagarto, but also in, in, in different towns that, that are part of our work here in Esmeralda. So our, our ministry is largely through um, community development. We like to go into communities and make relationships develop relationships with people and then through that share the gospel and see them form into groups that form churches and that's principally what our, our ministry is here so god bless you and thank you for this time to share with your church god bless told me to grab any of these mics, but I promise I'm not going to sing, so, so that's good. That's good. So yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the Most and where they live. So we've got a map, uh, a couple of maps. I'm supposed to hold this up here. There we go. So this is, you know, Ecuador. That's the country of Ecuador, as you can see. And if you look uh, northwest, there's Esmeraldas, and that's a city, but it's also kind of a region. And so um, we can... We can show Esmeralda, the region. There you go. And so he said, they live in Rio Verde, which is a little bit north of Esmeraldas. But that's kind of the region we're talking about. Um, so we would, uh, so it's on the northwest coast of Ecuador. So I just wanted to kind of give you an idea of where they live and where they serve and where the Afro-Ecuadorian people live. I have a couple of notes here. I wanted to make sure um, we talked about this morning. Um, yeah, my role is called the VSC or virtual strategy coordinator. Another thing I've learned about the Georgia Baptists is they like these initials like VSC and ASM and things like that. So, so anyway, you learn your alphabet good. So, um, But my role is to help facilitate strategic mission and partnerships between churches like Northside and, the, and my role is with the Most there in uh, Esmeralda. So, um, tell you a little bit about the Afro-Ecuadorian people. Donna shared a little bit about them. Um, they are an unreached people group who mostly uh, live along the coast there in Ecuador. At the last census in 2010, there were a little over a million Afro-Ecuadorians living in Ecuador. So that was 10 years ago, so there's probably more now. Um, they do speak Spanish, but they have their own distinct culture, and they're considered unreached because less than 2% of them 
uh, have been reached with the gospel and are evangelical believers. So it's a great opportunity. It's exciting uh, to be able to partner with the Most in sharing the gospel with those who've never heard, helping to plant churches where there's never been a church before. So um, this is strategic partnership. It's, we're not talking about like a one and done trip. We're talking about getting to know the moss a little bit more, uh, partnering with them in a specific area or maybe a specific town, um, and uh, just working with them in the missionary task of evangelism and discipleship. Uh, so we, the, kind of the idea is we would go work in an area, and then we would, when we go home, the, the moss would follow up, and then we would con stay in contact with the moss to strategically plan what's next, and then continue to go back and get to know them, build relationships, uh, and eventually see churches planted uh, in these communities. So that's exciting. Um, prayer is central and essential to this work. And so I have a prayer group we've kind of already started, but if you would like to be part of that prayer group and learn more about how to pray for this, uh, this area, pray for the mosque, pray for the Afro-Ecuadorians, uh, certainly text your name. Uh, the number's there in the bulletin, so text your name there, and we'll be in contact with you on how to do that. So um, look at your, the bookmarks there. I just wanted to give you a couple things to pray for on the the Afro-Ecuadorian side, uh, down at the bottom, Peñas Blancas, that's a, a fishing village, and then Las Delicias is another village. So begin to pray for those two areas. Uh, Johnny Moss has kind of identified those as where he wants to start with the churches that are starting to partner there. Uh, we will probably um, go to one of those areas when we're able to go. So begin to pray now that God will We'll move there, and we'll have the opportunity to share the gospel, and we'll see churches planted there, and, and new people come to Christ. So begin to pray for those two areas. Also in, uh, on this bookmark, strongholds broken. I just want to tell you about one um, stronghold, one problem now is people there um, really do not have a lot of hope. The problem is there's a problem with suicide, and the mosque knows several people who have either committed suicide, attempted it, and it really, uh, he shared with me that it was really weighing heavily on them. And so, you know, the people there have no hope. And we just sang about the living hope. And so the opportunity is to share that hope of Jesus Christ with them. So uh, begin to pray for that. So uh, as I mentioned, my role is to strategically connect churches uh, to, the, to the mosque. And so to do that, you have to have a strategy. So that's part of what my role is to develop the strategy to do that. And so, you know, as I think about it and I have been talking with the Most and talking with uh, JJ and then just really beginning to plan this, uh, at times it can become overwhelming because it's a big task and it's urgent. Uh, you know, these folks are not hearing the gospel and when they die, they're going to hell. So it is urgent. So kind of a verse that I keep going back to, uh, we were talking in Sunday school about Ephesians, and Paul in Ephesians 3 is praying for the church. And at the end of his prayer in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, he says this. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him 
be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So that's my prayer for him who is able to do more than we can ask or think. And as we begin to strategically plan, I want this to be his plan, uh, more than we could ever think of, and uh, just want it to be all for the glory of God. So again, if you'd like more information on Ecuador, just text your name to that number in the bulletin, and we'll get back with you. I'm looking forward to building this relationship with the mosque. Uh, I ask you to pray for me, too, because I get to talk to other churches just like Northside. We're talking to churches in Villa Rica all the way west uh, in Georgia, maybe as far over as like Stockbridge and Henry County. So it's a big area, but it's a great opportunity, uh, and I appreciate your prayers. Thank you. Just, just a, a, a brief word. Um, a few months ago, when we were talking with Mark and with and with JJ, um, I got the sense that we were experiencing Acts, the Book of Acts, as, as Paul and, and Peter and John were going to different churches, and they would go to a region, they'd plant a church, and they would and they would get it established and move on. And that, it, it just it, it felt like that, and. Um, I was impressed this past week with the portion of Acts chapter 4 where Peter and John are told to stop sharing the gospel. And they said, we're not going to stop sharing the gospel. And they said, well, get out of here then. And uh, that's, that's the BJV, by the way. Um, and so, but, but what they did, they didn't go out and immediately share the gospel. They, they went back and they prayed. And I believe it was a very, you talked about strategy, it was a very strategic prayer. And they prayed for boldness, and they, and they prayed for these strongholds that would come down, and they saw the mighty power of God in that. And so, if you will, um, because of, of where we are in our society right now, uh, if you want to stretch out your hand, that's fine. We're not going to gather around Mark, but in a, in a sense, to, to lay on hands, uh, the laying on of hands here, we're going to pray and just ask the Lord to, um, well, to just do far more than we can even fathom. Uh, and, and we know that he's able to do that. Um, so if you would join me in prayer. Father, I uh, come to you hum humbly this morning. Lord, what an amazing task that you've called the church to, to, to accomplish. Um, and Father, in, in the Great Commission, that is an enormous task to go into all the world and proclaim the good news, to go and make disciples, to baptize people, uh, to, to teach them all the things you've commanded. But Lord, there is a promise in that and that you said you would be with us always. And so, Father, it's by your power that we even are standing here this morning, that we're even here to worship. Father, but we know that there are places that are dark because they don't know the light of the gospel. There are places that are hopeless because they don't know the hope. Father, there are places where your name is yet to be proclaimed. And Father, I don't want the rocks to cry out. I want, I want men like the, 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 the Moss family and like Mark, men, men and women to go and share the good news. Lord, thank you so much for the willingness of people like JJ and, and Mark to, to put a strategy together. We, we could go out and just kind of do it on our own and, and try to get things done. And Lord, I believe you would bless that. But I believe you also 
have blessed us with the ability to plan and, and prepare. And so, Lord, prepare the hearts of the people to hear the gospel and receive it well. Uh, we know there's different types of soil that you share about in the gospels. Lord, I pray for fertile soil, that the, that the seeds of the gospel are planted and they take root and they grow strong. Uh, Father, I pray, for the, I pray for workers to go into the harvest. That's what you said, is that the harvest is plentiful. And pray for workers. And so, Lord, I, I pray specifically for Mark in this as he's looking to strategize with different churches in this region. And, Lord, I, I, I pray that you give him the wisdom and the foresight to understand uh, what all that will take. Give him the strength and the courage to do what he needs to do. Father, I pray for churches that they would respond and that there would be an overwhelming response from this West Georgia region. Uh, Father, that we would uh, send team after team after team to go in and uh, to partner with the Moss family. And Father, I, I, I do pray also for the Afro-Ecuadorians that, uh, that, that they would respond well, that we would see leaders rise up among their own people and that uh, they would begin to reach each other, Father. Um, and that in all of this, that your name would be lifted up, that uh, we, we look back and we see the part that we play, but Lord, we, we realize that uh, what we have done is insignificant compared to the power of Christ working through us, and that your name is lifted high, uh, not just in Ecuador, but all around the world. So Father, as we come to you this morning, I, I, I do want to echo what Mark has said, that we pray that you are able to do far more abundantly than we can even think then we can fathom. And so, Lord, you work mightily uh, in, in the lives of, of this church, Northside. Father, I've already gotten responses from people wanting to uh, partner, and that's awesome. And I pray that you uh, move in our worship service today. Um, and, Lord, that, that you are honored and glorified in all we do and say. I pray these things in the powerful, transforming name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. I'm so excited to, to see how God is going to work in the next year and years through Mark uh, and through this partnership. Going into a new year, uh, the Lord has laid three things on my heart that I just really want us to focus on. One is discipleship, of uh, being disciples and followers of Christ. And I think out of discipleship flows two things, evangelism, our telling others about Jesus Christ, and then missions our heart to take the gospel to the nations. And so as I was thinking about this and planning this year, I couldn't think of, of a better way and a more perfect way to kick that off than to have uh, my friend and my brother in Christ, J.J. Washington, with us. J.J., I sent out a bio earlier in the week, is currently serving on the church strengthening team for the Georgia Baptist. He's been doing that since January of last year. So what a interesting time to start that, right, when COVID takes off. But his focus is on missions, and the area that he's focused on is the West Central region, which is a large region. There's a lot of churches that, that he is uh, working with and praying for and encouraging, and, and so he's hard at work with that, and J.J. had a chance to meet with him several times. Man, he has a heart for the Lord, number one. Uh, he has a heart for the church of Jesus Christ, and he has a heart to tell others about Jesus and to see the gospel taken to the ends of the earth. So after we sing, J.J. is going to come, and, and I believe he has a powerful, timely word uh, from the Lord. While we sing, our children are going to be dismissed uh, to Children's Church. So if you will stand, let's sing Christ Be Magnified together. Mm -hmm. 
with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be magnified. Were the whole earth echoing His eminence, His name would burst from sea to sky. From rivers to the mountain tops, we'd hear Christ be magnified. And oh, Christ be magnified, let His praise rise. Christ be magnified in me. in me when every creature finds a sin most melody and every human heart is native crime oh in and one enraptured him a praise will sing Christ Oh, be lifted high, Jesus, and oh, Christ be magnified. Let His praise arise, Christ be magnified in me. And oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life, Christ be magnified. it puts me in the fire i rejoice because you're there too i won't be formed by feelings i'll hold fast to what is true if the cross brings transformation i'll be crucified with you because death is just the doorway into resurrection life and if i join you in your suffering then I'll join you when you rise And when you return in glory With all the angels and the saints My heart will still be singing And my soul will be the same Oh, Christ be magnified Let His praise arise Christ be magnified in me Bye. 
excited about it and Pastor Aaron I want to thank you for allowing me to come and be with your church on this morning your flock and be able to speak to him on this morning I had opportunity to meet Pastor Aaron early in the year through Pastor BJ am I on am I hot okay and um, he connected me uh, with Mark through that relationship and so I've had a great opportunity to get to know all three of these guys over the course of uh, 2020 and, and what we're, we're so excited about at Georgia Baptist is this partnership with you all in reaching Ecuador with the gospel. So what I do in the West Central region as a missions consultant is there's 600 churches inside of this region. There's 3,600 Georgia Baptist churches across the state. That's a lot of churches. Did y'all know that? 3,600 churches. And um, in each region, there's 600 churches. So we have six regions. So this region is region three, West Central, 600 plus churches inside of this region. So each region, region has an international field that we are mobilizing for, that we are trying to push churches to. So for your region, it is Ecuador. Other regions have Colombia and Argentina, and, uh, 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 Peru, uh, those type of areas, but we have Ecuador. So when I reached out to uh, Pastor BJ, who then connected me with Pastor Aaron and then connected me with Mark, I shared this with them and they were like, hey, man, we, we feel like God's in this and we want to be a part of this. And so I want to say thank you to your leaders and also thank you to you all, the church, uh, for joining God in this mission to reach Ecuador. Praise God. Thank you so much. Um, our text for today will be Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. If you have a copy of the Word of God and you want to turn there at this time, I'll give you an opportunity to do so. And we'll walk through this text. And what I really want to drive home today is two promises. Two promises in this text that I want you to remember because they are very important as it relates to the mission of God. Two promises. So I've titled this Promises to Remember. And the text again is Acts chapter 1, and we are looking at verses 4, excuse me, 4 through 11 on today. Promises to Remember. I'm going to read it for you. I have a copy. I have a New King James Version of the Word of the Lord, and I'll read it for you, and then I'll pray, and then we'll begin to dive right into the text. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. And the word of the Lord says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Verse 7. 
And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. But contrast, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and conjunction. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let me pause real quickly and say this. Notice it does not say or. It says and. Verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, the two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee. Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts right now. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and give us hearts that are willing to obey your truth. Thank you for this opportunity to open your word. We praise you and we lift you up. We make our prayer tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. The first promise that I want you to remember, church, is the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. In verses 1 through 3, just so we keep this in context, Luke provided Theophilus, who is the recipient of this particular account. This is basically a twofold account. Luke gospel as well as Acts is basically a two-volume type of writing that is being written to Theophilus. We find this in Luke chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 where he names Theophilus there and he also names him again right here in Acts. So what he's doing is Luke is explaining in this particular account here of how Jesus's ministry continues now by his spirit through his apostles. What we saw in the Luke's gospel was Jesus' ministry, what he actually did and what he actually taught. Now what you'll see in the book of Acts is what Jesus is still doing by his spirit working in the lives of his church. That's what we're going to see in this particular text. So that's what he's dealing with right here. So Luke briefly recounted Jesus' activity in these first three verses that we find here. And this is what Jesus does. He, command, he offers commands to his apostles. We find that in verses one, chapter 1, verse 2. And Jesus presented himself alive to his apostles through many infallible proofs, which we find in verse number 3. Being seen by them over the course of 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Jesus made a twofold command, however, what we find here in verse number four, which I just read in your hearing. Here's what it says. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. The first command was stated in the negative. Do not leave from Jerusalem. Do not depart. While the second was stated in the positive beginning with the conjunction, but which is a contrast, do not depart from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, but wait. That's the instruction that he's giving him here. The question of the text needs to be this. Why do they need to wait? He gives the answer for the promise of the father. So a key point here in conjunction with Acts 1-8, which we'll deal with in a moment, is that Jesus will launch a mission from Jerusalem after the promise of the father has come upon them. 
That's what you're going to see in the text. Matter of fact, as you follow the outworking of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, he talks about the Spirit is going to come. The Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. We see 3,000 people saved. Now, what happens is, is by the time you get to Acts chapter 5, verse 28, they are brought before the Sanhedrin, and they're accused of their doctrine feeling Jerusalem. That's what he says. The Greek word there is plerao. It's the same word that you would think of this. Here's a word picture. Imagine a cup being filled to the brim. Here's what happened in Jerusalem. The gospel had been filled to the brim. So what God does is in Acts chapter 8, we find that persecution is released on the church. So God uses that as a means to move the gospel, and the gospel then goes into Judea. We find it there and into Samaria in Acts chapter 8. And then what you find is in Acts chapter 13, from the actual persecution that broke out in Acts chapter 8, the gospel has arrived all the way in Antioch. And then in Acts chapter 13 in Antioch, we see the first planned, Mark, mission trip where they're taking the gospel now into Cyprus. We see Iconium. We see uh, uh, Antioch, Pisidia, and all of these places where the gospel is moving. By the time you get to Acts chapter 28, when Paul is in prison in Rome, the gospel has reached Rome. So Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is literally like a thesis for the entire book. The outworking of the gospel. The gospel fills Jerusalem and God moves it all the way to Rome. Let me go back to my notes. I didn't mean to get off. Let's look at three promises here concerning, excuse me, three truths concerning the promise of the Father. Here's the first one. The church will be indwelt by the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father also is anticipated in Luke 24, 49 which was an allusion to the Holy Spirit. That's what it means when he says the promise of the Father. You can find that in Luke 24, 49. What happens here is Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Father because the Father would be the one who would send him after Jesus' ascension. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Notice I said person and not force. It's very important. Jehovah's Witnesses will say he's a force. No, he is a person. He has personality and he has divinity. Here's what I want to break down to you just a moment. The Holy Spirit's personality is proved by the fact that the attributes of personality, intelligence, and volition are ascribed to him. Here's what he does. He proves. He helps. He glorifies. He intercedes. We find this all throughout scripture. Also, by the fact that he executes offices that are peculiar only to a person. The very nature of these offices involves personal distinction. The Holy Spirit is also God. The Holy Spirit's divinity is established by the fact that the names of God are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. By the fact that the attributes, divine attributes, are also ascribed to him. Omnipotence is ascribed to him. Omnipresence is ascribed to him. Eternity is ascribed to him. Omniscience is ascribed to him. By the fact also that creation is ascribed to him. It talks about in the very beginning that he was there. By the fact that worship is required and ascribed to him. So the Holy Spirit, I just want to be clear, let me do a little theology here for a moment, is in fact a person, all right? Jesus said this in verse number 4D. 
which he said, you have heard from me because he had already spoken with the disciples previously concerning what follows in verse number five. In verse five, he says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Jesus was teaching here spirit baptism. Jesus alludes to teaching here that parallels the words of John the Baptist, which I'll show you in just a moment, which Jesus obviously reinforced here in these verses as Luke made the point that Jesus told them this previously. Now, who is John? John was the forerunner of Jesus. He was of priestly descent, and he was also the subject of prophecy as well. And the sum of John's preaching was repentance. So people flocked from all over to the Jordan River, and John baptized them unto repentance. Now, now what's the difference? Here's a question he'd ask. What's the difference between John's baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Here's the difference. The baptism of John was eschatological. It was preparatory washing. If they participated in it, here's what it meant. It meant that they were ready for God to come. The gift of the Spirit, however, was the sign that the Messiah had come and a new era had begun. So according to the chronology of Acts, the wait for the arrival of the Spirit was about 10 days since Jesus was with them for 40 days and Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. Here's some parallel text I want to share with you real quickly. Matthew 3, 11 through 12 says this. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. This is John speaking. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to even carry. He, referring to Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mark 1, 6 through 8 says this. And now John was clothed with camel's hair and with the leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. Wow, that's a great diet. And he preached saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with what? The spirit. One more I'll give you here. Luke 3, 15 through 17. Now as the apostles were in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. But let me be clear. There is one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my father, but wait in the city of Jerusalem. You get the point. The Spirit of God, for example, devastated Saul of Tarsus and later cleansed him and commissioned him to be able to proclaim the gospel. So here's the point I want to bring out. The Spirit both cleanses the believer and enables the believer to be indwelt for mission empowerment. Here's why we need to remember the first promise that I'm telling you about. The promise of the Father because the Spirit has come in large part to empower us to proclaim the gospel. Beginning right here in Noonan, taking it to the state, taking it to the nation, and do we not need it, and then to the world. It's a promise that we need to remember. It's a promise that we need to remember. Here's something else, though. Church, you not only need to remember that you're to be indwelt. You're indwelt right now if you're a believer. If you name Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God indwells you right now. You have the power right now inside of you. But here's another thing. You're not only indwelt by it, by him, but you're empowered by the promise of the Father. Look at verse number six in the text. Here's what he says. 
The disciples received Jesus' announcement in the preceding verses, verses 4 through 5, basically as an indication of the full arrival of the end. They thought the full arrival of the end was coming now, which led to their question here in verse 6. Therefore, here's what they said. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked them, saying, okay, Lord, we heard what you just said. Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel to us? The question was very natural since in verse number three, it says that Jesus was with them, talking to them about the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God was part of their conversation. So they're saying, are you getting ready to restore the kingdom of God at this time? Josh McDowell provides some insight here into the background concerning the Messiah, which likely influenced this question. So lock into this. Let me read this to you. So from childhood, a Jew was taught that when the Messiah had come, He would be a victorious, reigning political leader. He would free the Jews from bondage to the Romans and restore Israel to its rightful place as an independent nation that would shine like a beacon to all the world. So many Jewish texts, as well as the Old Testament, hope in general, expected in the end that Israel would be restored to a place of great blessing. The only thing that was debated was what did that mean for you and me as Gentiles? Therefore, the apostles are not thinking here in terms of missions. Their their, their question does not indicate a missional concern, but it's more of a political concern nationalistic concern. That's what's going on in the text. But notice what Jesus does. Jesus responded to him, says, "Um, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Jesus nuanced here how the end will work in verse 7 and proceeded to state their responsibility as it unfolded in verse 8. Jesus did not answer the question about Israel's restoration and his timing. His response was not a renunciation of his imminent return or the imminent end. Jesus' word in verse 7 made no commitment at all to when the end will come. But here's what he did say. He said in verse number 8, but you shall, there it is, receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Notice earlier Jesus said in verse number 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he says in this verse, but you shall, see the, see, see, the, see the repetition there? Receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The disciples' calling, concern, and mission are not to focus on the timing of the end. Rather, they are to receive the enablement that God will give in the Spirit. That's what he's saying right now. So the spirit here is connected, notice, to power. The Greek word there is dunamis. It's the same word where we get our word dynamite from today. It's found 10 times in the book of Acts, connected both to their words, the proclamation of the gospel, and to their deeds, the demonstration of the gospel. So guess what? You and I today should be witnesses not only in lip, but also in life. The power of the gospel should always be on display. And God's given us the power to be able to be that type of witness. Dr. Ernest F. Scott said this in reference to the book of Acts. He said, I believe, the book he wrote was called I Believe in the Holy Spirit, if you want to read it. Here's what he says. The title of the book of Acts could be called The Acts of the Spirit. Why? 
For the whole purpose of the author is to show what happened to the apostles when they were filled with the spirit. Humble men all of a sudden became powerful leaders. Do you remember what happened prior to that when Peter denied him three times? But then on the day of Pentecost, when there's a crowd there, Peter stood up. <laughs> what was the difference? The spirit. It gives you the boldness to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the difference. So how did this ordinary man suddenly become this powerful evangelist? The spirit of God. Here's what I want to say. The Holy Spirit. And this is my testimony, I can tell you this, has transforming power. Changed me. He changed me. Can I tell you that, y'all? He changed me. He probably changed some of you in here. You can testify that when the Spirit of God moved in, you were different. But not only did he do that, it has uplifting power. And watch this. The power makes us more than we actually are. So if you see God using some preacher, you need to know something. The spirit makes us more than we actually are. Without him, we'll be like Peter. Some of us got him and still like him. Right? Some of us have him, but at times we're still running and acting like we don't know him. Spirit enablement, empowerment, allows the mission of preaching the kingdom and Jesus to proceed. That's what it does. That's what I'm trying to drive home. That's why we need to remember this first promise. We see here the importance, watch this, and centrality of the spirit equipping us for ministry. And also a warning not to be too unbalanced or acquisitive about the exact timing of when the end will come. But here's another promise in the text that I want to bring out. Let me back up. Promises to remember. Church will be indwelt by the Spirit. The church will be empowered by the Spirit. But here's the third one. The church will be used by the promise of the Father. Look at the text. Verse 8b. Jesus continues. And you shall be witnesses to me. So you're going to receive this power from on high. And you're going to be witnesses to me. That's what he says. And notice there is, there's again, there's another shall be. He said earlier in verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In verse 8, but you shall receive the power, the, the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in the text. A key term here in Acts for witnesses, it is used for those who both experienced Jesus and saw him in his resurrection appearance. So as a result, they can testify directly to what God did through Jesus. This was not some subjective witness. This was an objective testimony that they had. So we see this also playing out later on in the text. Let me bring this point out real quickly before I go there. The Bible provides reliable testimony for Jesus' Messiahship. Let me give you a couple examples. Jesus says to the high priest who asked him if he was the Christ, the son of the blessed, during his trial. And here's what he said. I am. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus' disciples said this about Jesus. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. So the Bible provides reliable testimony that Jesus, in fact, was the Messiah. 
The Bible also provides reliable testimony concerning the resurrection. Here's what we find in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. For I delivered to you, first of all, Paul says, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, what, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, meaning Peter, and by the twelve, which would be Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, John, son of Zebedee, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, this does not include the traitor, uh, excuse me, Judas, uh, Judas Iscariot, the traitor. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, Paul said, but some have now fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me, one born in due time. I just counted 513 people who saw Jesus' resurrection. It is a historical event. It happened. See, what the skeptics want to use is what we call the scientific method to test it. But you can't use the scientific method to test that because it doesn't qualify for that. The scientific method means that here's what you use it for. You use it when you're able to prove or disprove something that's observable. You have to be that observable, deserve it. You have to, it has to be repeatable. It has to be done in a controlled environment where data is drawn and hypothesis is perfectly verified. But with the legal historical method, you test something beyond a reasonable doubt. We see that all the time in the court. They have oral testimony, written testimony, they have documents, etc. Could you imagine if 513 people came in the courtroom today and all testified that they saw Jesus' resurrection would that be enough evidence beyond a reasonable doubt? Be a faithful witness. He is the Messiah, and he has risen. But let me go on. The church will be used by the promise of the Father. Where will he be used? Notice he says in the text something. He says, and you shall be witnesses to me. Where, where, where? In Jerusalem, not or, and in all Judea, not or, and Samaria, not or, and to the ends of the earth. Locally is an example of Jerusalem. So today, from a geographical perspective, right here today, that could be Noonan. That's Noonan, Georgia. Judea could be looked at regionally. So what you had was Jerusalem down inside of Judea, which was at the southern part of Palestine. You had Judea here, Samaria here, and Galilee, Galilee there. So what he's saying is, if the gospel starts in Jerusalem, and then it moves out into the region. So regionally, for you all, church, that could be Georgia. How God would use Noonan Baptist, I mean, excuse me, Northside Baptist in Noonan, Georgia, to touch Georgia. And then, he says in the text, Samaria. Samaria represents how the church would be used, today it could be used in their nation or their country. But guess what? It also could show how the gospel breaks down barriers of race and class. Did you know this? That down in Jerusalem and inside of Judea, and Jews did not associate with Samaritans. So here's what they would do. They would go all, when they were going to Galilee, which is up at the top, they would go all the way out here beyond the Jordan into Berea and cross over into Galilee because they did not want to associate with Samaritans who were racially mixed. Their religion was schism, uh, syncretism and schism from Judaism. They worshiped at Mount Gerizim. So they literally despise these folks. But Jesus saying, guess what? My gospel has wheels on it, and it's going through Samaria. So the gospel breaks down classism and racism. Right here in the text. 
So the church can be, is to be used in that way. The gospel. Listen, did you know? Did you know that you and I are part of a brand new race? When he says you are a chosen generation, some translation is chosen race. That's what happened. You find Ephesians 2, here's what God did. He took the Gentiles and he took the Jews and he says that Jesus Christ's death and resurrection broke down the middle wall of separation between the two. And what he did is he took the two and formed one. And then he said in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor slave nor you are all one in brand new race. We're the chosen race. Royal priesthood. Holy people. Peculiar people who are called to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's us. Asian, black, Hispanic, and everything else. That's right there. All right, that went in my notes. But I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. I'm going to be good. I'm staying. I promise you, And I'm trying to stay right on these notes. Internationally. Then he says the end of the earth. I got to hurry up. The end of the earth. The end of the earth. So, so here's what we happen now. As I, I talked about this earlier, I got ahead of myself. We saw in Acts 28 that the gospel was all the way in Rome. In Rome. So we see this movement of the gospel. Because he died for all nations. And guess what? When we get before God in, the, in, in, in Revelation 7, you know what Revelations talk about? Revelation 7? It talks about how we're going to be, be in worship. And he said that it was a, a people of every tribe and tongue and nation in worship before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The gospel unites. The gospel unites. I love Mark like a brother. I love, I love DJ. We, we know I love you, Pastor Aaron. You're my brothers. The gospel did that. Here's what I want to share with you one quick thing real quick about D.L. Moody, who was a great evangelist. One young minister who did not want to invite Moody to this evangelistic crusade stood up in this meeting where they were getting ready to invite him. He says, Moody does not have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. And one older man said this in the room. But the, the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on him. Oh, that's a good word. You know, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will have a monopoly on my life so that God can use it before his glory. I pray that be the same for you. Now, the second promise, and I'm going to my close. And when a preacher says that, that means you got about 30 more minutes. I promise you. I won't do you like that. I won't do you like that. When I had my church, I would do them like that. And I'll just plan I would do that. The second promise to remember. It's the promise of the son. Notice that the mission is sandwiched between these two promises, like a piece of bread on a sandwich. You got the promise of the father and the promise of the son, and the mission's right in there. Look at this. Now, when he has spoken these things, what's the promise of the son all about? I'm going to break it down for you here. 
While they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. He was taken up. The Greek word there is a pyro, and it's in the passive voice. So Jesus didn't lift himself up, meaning he was lifted up. The subject is not carrying out the action. The subject is receiving the action. So the father is literally receiving him up out of their sight, from their sight. Here we see Jesus' exaltation, his ascension, which brings him to God's side of the right hand where he is now. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. The disciples had a fixed gaze on Jesus as he was ascending. And then something else took place. Here's what happens. These two men come by and it says, men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing? You know what, church, what I found out after a year in my job, there's a lot of churches gazing. Gazing. We should be working. It was a mild rebuke in the form of a question. That's what they were doing there. And then he says this, yet there's more. This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So a cloud received him out of their sight. And guess what? He's coming back in the clouds. And, and guess what? This is not a news alert. This is a reminder. Because he had already told them this. Really? Yes, he did. I'm going to read it to you real quickly. Matthew 24, 30. The, then the sign, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Mark 13, 26. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Mark 14, 62, Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Luke 21, 27, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. Jesus is coming back for his church. That's a promise we need to remember. We need to remember he gave us what we need to do the mission. And he's coming back for his church. So, so I just wanted to encourage you this morning. And what you're already doing. To continue to be faithful. In the interim. As we await his return. Don't get caught up with the gazing. Get busy. Working. And here's what I can tell you. And I'm going to get off the platform. Remember these five E's about mission. Five E's. Because some may say, you know what, I can't go with Mark over to Ecuador. Financially, I can't do it right now. We got a lot of, we got, we got small kids. We can't travel. Okay. But let me help you with these five E's because you can get engaged in other ways. The first E with any mission partnership is empower it. How do you empower it? Prayer. Johnny's going to need prayer. Mark's going to need prayer. Your pastors need prayer. Prayer is how you empower that missional partnership. So you can be that person that's just going to commit that. This is how I'm going to be engaged, by praying. All right, the second one is evangelizing. And I would do this for, for your whole portfolio, your Acts 1-8 portfolio, what you're doing in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends. Evangelizing. How are we going to get the gospel? We're going to do this, but how can, what are we going to do to specifically get the gospel in this as well? That's a question I always be faithful and ask. Another thing is establish. How can we be involved in establishing churches? That's what you're going to be doing over in Ecuador. Or revitalizing, because I see a lot of them that are in decline. How could you help with that? 
Another one. Here's another E. Encourage. To encourage. Listen. Do you know Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2 was sent by the church in Philippi as a messenger to go and encourage Paul? That was his only assignment. Paul was in Rome getting ready to go before Caesar. Didn't know what the outcome was going to be. So the church sent Epaphroditus just to sit there and encourage the brother. Listen, sometimes, unintentionally, we overlook the missionary because we're so focused on the field. We need to see both of them. The missionary is going to need to be encouraged as well. All right? And here's another E, equip. I'm going to be involved in equipping. I'm going to go in and teach how to do discipleship. I'm going to go in and teach how to share the gospel. I'm going to go in and teach how to do missions. You're going to go in and equip those national folks to take ownership of the mission and replicate it in their field, and you back away from it, and they own it. So those are the five E's that I would encourage you with. All right, Pastor Aaron, you come on up and walking off the platform. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my brother in Christ. Appreciate you, JJ. You've heard the word. I want to give you a chance to respond to the word. You've heard the word, but the tendency sometimes is to hear it and then we just go about our business, but to let the word take hold of you. And again, we're living in unique times, and so we haven't been doing a normal invitation for, for several months, and it may be a while before we do that again. So I'm just going to ask you to take a moment right where you are and spend some time in prayer and say, Father, I've heard the word, uh, now let it take hold of me. And, and how are you going to live differently in, in response to that? So would you just close your eyes, bow your head, uh, take a moment just, just to pray. Maybe you've been watching online and, or you're here with us and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. J.J. talking about being filled with the Spirit of God and dwell with the Spirit of God and you have no idea what that means because you never received the Son, Jesus Christ. Would you just confess your sins and repent of your sins and take hold of Jesus? Maybe the Lord's placed a, on your heart a desire for missions. Um, and, and you just kind of standing still and, and, and nervous to step out in faith. And now this is your opportunity to, to help partner with, with Mark and to get involved in what God's going to do here. Maybe, maybe you know lost people in your life. And you just want to rededicate your life to sharing the gospel with them. Just take a moment. And, and just pray, and however the Lord leads you, would you respond? And then I'll, then I'll pray for us, and then we'll have some announcements and a closing prayer. Father God, I thank you for the promise, the promises that J.J. has reminded us of this morning, the promise that you would pour out and send the spirit of the living God who indwells us, and the promise, Jesus, that you are coming for your church and for your bride. This, God, is what should compel us to take the gospel to our neighbor, to our family member, to our co-workers, to those in Georgia who do not know the gospel here in America as we 
God see more and more people who do not know the name Jesus and to the ends of the earth. You have empowered us to do so, and Jesus, your coming for us reminds us that what will be a glorious day for us, Jesus, when you come, will be a day of everlasting torment for those who have rejected you in a place called hell. Mark talked about this is urgent. This, God, is what ultimately matters. It's giving our lives to to this mission, to this gospel. Father, some of us are scared. Some of us are we're worried, we're afraid, we're unsure. Maybe we lack knowledge or wisdom. Lord, we just don't know what to do. And so, Spirit of God, would you just indwell us, fill us. So we know you indwell us. Would you fill us, Lord, so that we might, might know how you're leading us to get involved. And Lord, I just pray, I plead that you would use Northside. As we talked last week, Father, we see... Lord, that you worked in extraordinary ways, that this year in 2021, God, you would do extraordinary, powerful things in the life here of Northside for your glory and your honor, that we would be about making disciples, that we would be about telling others about Jesus, and that we would be as people who live on mission every single day of the week. Father, help us to be the same people on Sunday. God, we'll be the same people tomorrow on Monday. Same people here that proclaim the name of Jesus and love you and worship you, that we'll be those same people tomorrow as we enter into the workforce. People need Jesus, and we know him. So help us, Father, to faithfully proclaim him. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me just draw your attention quickly to some announcements. We have a meeting at 4 o'clock today for our children, our youth. Anyone interested in going to camp, want to encourage you to come. Just a reminder that if you're interested in praying for missions or getting involved, you can text uh, to that number, 770-728-8122. That's 770-728-8122. One thing we have a desire to do, Pastor BJ and I have talked about, is uh, focusing on evangelism. So in light of this morning, we had planned in two weeks we're going to have an evangelism training at 4 o'clock. I said in the fellowship hall, I would love to have to do it in the sanctuary because we have so many people engaged. We're going to talk about how you can share the gospel using uh, a three circles evangelism uh, method. And then also I'm going to talk about that. And then Pastor BJ is going to talk about sharing your testimony, how you can use your story, how Jesus has changed your life to share the gospel. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Chris has an announcement about Upward. That is beginning uh, soon. So he's going to make that announcement. And after that, Carrie Beard is going to close us with a word of prayer. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said there was nothing certain except death and taxes. Around here, there's nothing certain except death, taxes, and upward. I've um, <laughs> uh, heard, heard it said about storms in your life. You're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, and going into a storm. Around here, we're either doing an upward, coming out of upward, about to go into another upward, upward season. It's a big part we do here. You know, what was talked about today, you, you may not have the ability to go to Ecuador or to know another part of the country, even another part of the state, but there's an opportunity to be a witness at Jerusalem at Noonan through this upward program. That's the real purpose of it. I mean, we love the sport of football. We love getting around there, running around with the kids, having a good time. That's, that's all fun. But that's all it was about. wouldn't be worth it. The time and effort and commitment we put into it wouldn't be worth it. Bodily exercise profits little, but it's really about the gospel. It's a chance, opportunity to bring an army of 
kids and their parents here and share the gospel with them. So a um, couple weeks, uh, next Sunday afternoon, 4.30, we're going to have an informational meeting if you're interested in helping out with that. You know, we need coaches, we need assistant coaches, we need refs, we need uh, people to paint the lines, just all kind of areas you can volunteer in and be a part of that. So um, hope, you'll, hope, you'll made a, hope you made a resolution this year. Hopefully one of those resolutions was to be more evangelistic and there's an opportunity for you to do that. So hope to see you next Sunday for that. Thank you, Chris, for all that you do uh, in leading upward and for reminding us uh, that it is ultimately about evangelism. Uh, before Carrie Beer closes us in a word of prayer, let me again extend a special thank you to JJ for coming, for preaching. Did you say 600 churches? 600 churches. I mean, that's a tall task. And so let us as a church be faithful to lift him up in prayer and to be one of those who are going to be an encouragement to him uh, as he continues to do that. And so uh, thank you again for coming. If you'll stand, Carrie's going to close us with a word of prayer. And Mark is going to be available uh, out there, I think. Outside, he's going to go outside. So if you want to talk to him, you have questions. Uh, same for JJ. I'm sure if you have a question for JJ, uh, he'd be more than willing to answer that. Carrie, if you'll close us with prayer. I'll pray with me. Well, gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the message we've heard this morning. I ask that you fill us with your love and fill us with your grace and let everything that we do and say be a witness of that. Let us go out from here and be a beacon of light to bring people to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.